0: Goff's 3-Minute. History. As Halloween is right around the corner, the store shelves begin being adorned with all kinds of ghoulish treats. We all look forward to different holidays and the seasonal treats they bring. Whether it's a Reese's peanut butter egg at Easter, those little Debbie Christmas trees, or the little message candy hearts at Valentine's Day. But few have the polarizing effect as those little tricolored sugar triangles. Love them or hate them. Personally, I love them in October so much that I hate them the rest of the year. But daggone if it if it fall hits and I grab a bag to gorge on. Now my mother-in-law mixed a bowl of candy corn and peanuts. It tastes exactly like a payday. So if you're like me and make yourself sick on candy corn every October and want to know who to blame, yourself. Blame yourself. Unless someone's trying to hold you down and force feed you candy corn, it's all on you. But you can also blame George Renegar. In the 1880s, George worked for the Wonderly Candy Company of Philadelphia. Wonderly made all kinds of buttercream candies, and during this period, the most popular were vegetable and fruit shaped candies. Well, George had an idea to set his candy above the rest a tri colored triangle of sugary delight. At the time, candy came in all sizes and shapes, but maintained a single color. This made George's candy corn with its three colors really pop. The problem was, in a time before the mechanization we have today, all of these candies were poured into molds by hand. With three colors, this became a more complicated process. Sugar and corn syrup were poured into buckets, then men with stringers poured them into corn kernel molds one color at a time. But it was worth it and the novelty made it a pretty big hit. The thing is, while the box said candy corn, nobody called it that. Everyone called it chicken feed. This may be in part that a new company, Golitz, which is now Jelly Belly, sold them in a bright yellow box with a giant rooster pecking at some candy corn on the ground with its motto on the front, King of the Candy Corn Fields. Also something I found interesting was that nobody really ate corn at the time. It was hard and fairly tasteless. It's pretty much just used for animal feeds. So the only corn Americans were eating was candy corn, and boy did they love it. During World War I, when we had a wheat shortage around 1917, we began experimenting with corn and improving it to the hybrid corn we all know and love today, has a much sweeter taste. Corn, in all forms, became more popular and better tasting. Now candy corn does not become a staple exclusively for Halloween until the 1950s. But due to its fall color scheme, it began phasing towards fall festivals, Halloween, Thanksgiving, etc. They were even thrown in Easter baskets with the little animal treats, harkening back to their nickname chicken feed. During the 50s, marketing for candy corn as a Halloween treat picked up, and with it, candy corn found its seasonal home in October. Today, there's really only two main players in the candy corn game left, Brox and Jelly Belly. You may find a knockoff brand here and there, but they seem to have cornered the market. And then in the 1990s, October 30th, the day before Halloween was declared National Candy Corn Day. And every year, over nine billion pieces of candy corn are produced, equating to 35 million pounds of these confectionery delights. So as October is in full swing and the shelves are stocked with the orange, yellow, and white triangles signaling the coming Halloween, Grab a bag and make yourself sick. You'll be ready to do it again in 11 months. Class dismissed. This podcast, written, produced, and narrated by Isaac Goff in wild, wonderful Ward County, West Virginia. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle.